That's so I think true. that goes with us for our building our identities. Is that we want to start building our own self-identity. Everyone around us can be saying things like, oh no, you can't do this. Why do you get into this? You know, there are so many people in this area, feel of area doing it, who are younger than you, more beautiful than you. And then this gives you self-doubt because these people are already self-limited by their own perception and they project it upon you. You're listening to The Wholehearted Podcast and I'm your host, Cohen Tan. I'm on a mission to set hearts free and inspire people to break out of their self-limitations to create the life of their dreams. Each episode, I speak to people around the world who live with vigor, courage and authenticity. And I hope their stories can inspire you. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Wholehearted Podcast. And on this episode, is something special I'm going to do for the first time, which is a panel interview. At the start of every year, people will set resolutions, they'll have new goals, they'll get energized. But very often, they do not push through their resolutions and their goals. And I started asking myself, why? I think one of the biggest things about goals setting and attainment of goals is our identities. Very often, if we have all outdated identities that no longer serve us, it's not going to give us that willpower, that energy, that resilience, that grit to push through our goals. And so today, I brought back three guests who were previously on our Wholehearted Podcast to ask them how have they been able to evolve their identity over the years and how this identity shift have been able to help them to reach their goals repeatedly and bring them to where they are today. So please say hello to Sean Nasino, Adeline Tia and Barbara Chen. Hi. Hi, hello everyone. And hi to all the listeners of this podcast. So welcome back to this podcast, everyone. So I want to talk about identity shift, right? So maybe I will just invite Shah for you to share a little bit about your identity shift because I've heard stories of all your identity shifts from <laughs> not being able to write to becoming an author, not being able mm-hmm. to sing to be able to you know publish MTVs. Can you tell us a little bit more about your, sure. your identity mm-hmm. shifts? Yes, I used to be so shy and introverted. So I branded myself as this person who is so shy, who cannot even talk to the person in front of her. So that was me. So when I go to parties, I... I know that I'm the introverted type who doesn't talk to people. So I, I tend to, to be that person. But you know, in the past few years, a lot of my identities have shifted. So for example, I used to be so shy and introverted. And then something happened. And also I was not a writer. I didn't like to write. I didn't like to read. And then when I was in my first year as an employee, I got buried in credit card debts. <clears throat> and then I was able to zero out the debts because I invested in personal development. I and I wanted to share that information to my friends. But every time I would talk about money, I, I noticed that it's such a sensitive topic. And the people I would talk to, my friends, my office mates, would shy away from the conversation. And then the idea of writing a book came to mind. And it felt so uncomfortable because I branded myself as someone who was not a writer, who was bad when it comes to writing. The calling to share, the calling to serve was so strong. It was stronger than my identity that I was not a writer. And so my desire to share that message helped me find ways to make it work, find ways to to write. 
and I realized I'm I'm very good when it comes to math. So I was that was my favorite subject when I was in elementary in high school. And I figured, okay, I'm a math person. So that was my identity then. I love math because I love formulas. So is there a way for me to to marry math and writing? So if you know how to write a sentence, that's the only skill that you need. So that's what I did. Um Because sentences make up a paragraph, paragraphs make up a chapter, chapters make up a book. So I created the, the formula and I was able to write my first book. And then I tested, like math, you test, the, you test right? You test the formula, you, you do checking. So I tested the formula for my second book. I just really followed the formula. And I was able to write my second book, which was a short ebook, in one day. And then publish it in three weeks. And then some of my friends said, Shat, teach me the formulas. I taught them the formula. And more and more people wanted to ask me, Shat, can I invite you to lunch or dinner? Teach me how to write a book. And my biggest problem at that time was I, I branded myself as a shy, introverted person. And, oh, if we're going to lunch and I'll get bored, what, what will happen? What if I, I don't know what to say next? So that was my biggest problem. And so I thought, but there, there has to be a way that I can still teach people how to write books and respect my preference as a as an introverted person at that time and that that helped me or that inspired me to launch an online course on book writing so to date we've helped over 200 first time authors write publish and launch their books so it's end to end we organize the book launches for them um and so regarding my identity then as a shy person i cried in my first speech in the toastmasters environment because i was so shy and introverted But then I get invited by companies to share money management to their team members. And I saw how important money management is because I, I can see that a lot of employees stick with their jobs because they needed to, to, they needed to pay the bills, right? So, so I felt like, oh, this information is so important. I need to get out of my shell. So how can I make this work? How can I speak to people in front of a lot of people even if I'm shy and introverted so slowly again the service mentality helped me find ways to to be more outgoing to to to, to get better at speaking now I don't see myself as a shy and introverted person anymore but I'm so grateful I had that identity before because it really helped me become resourceful so I'm the kind of person who makes things possible if if I want to do something I'll find ways to make it happen. Yeah, wow. so just, just very briefly about the uh, singing music videos. Wow. I was in Boracay to social distance during the height of the pandemic. And then the idea to create music videos came to mind. And I said, oh, that's such a beautiful idea. I was out in the, in, on, in the, on the beach with a team of videographers complete with their drones and big cameras. To cut the long story short, we were able to do three music videos in four hours. And even the videographers were surprised that they can actually do that because they've de- they've never done it in the past. They they can do one in one day. Wow! That's wow! Sorry, you have from a short <laughs> you have pushed the boundaries every time. Yeah. Wow! You know, Cohen is so a what, what are the, some of the songs that you sing? Like oh, what, um, what kind of music? I I so I I did let it go. Let it go. Permission to dance. There's a kind of hush. Top of the world. We did 31 so we did 31 so far. Did you have a singing coach? Yes, I did. So this was another backstory. I was not a singer. So everyone told me, but I really, really loved to sing. And when I was in Toastmasters before, I would inject a line or two from a song 
during my speeches. And my mentors, my evaluators would tell me, Sha, can you please do us a favor? Can you please stop singing? Because <laughs> voice was, you know, if there were Ouch. four singing voices, bass, tenor, alto, and soprano, mine was sintonado, meaning out of tune, really out of tune. My papa, my brother, my my family, my cousins who are musically inclined would also know this. Like, you know, out of love, they, they told me, Sha, you know, just stick to speaking because... Because I was really out of tune. I couldn't carry a tune. And then, and then so I stopped my dream to become a singer. And then one day I met someone who was a vocal coach. I was supposed to hire him to help my speaking voice, help me with my speaking voice. And then in the middle of a busy coffee shop, he, he, he told me, Sha, can you sing for me? Now, that was the first time someone ever asked me to sing. And I didn't want to let that opportunity pass. So, so I stood up in a busy coffee shop and I sang. So I sat down again. And then the person in front of me said, you have a beautiful voice. You are meant to sing. And I almost fell off my chair because what voice did he listen to? What voice did he hear? Why was everyone telling me to stop singing? And even I recognized that I was tone deaf. He happened to be a singing coach. So I enrolled in his singing lessons and that was my top secret. So I enrolled for, I think, two or three months. And then when every time I doubted myself, I would ask him, do you really think I have a beautiful voice? And he would always say, Shai, you have a beautiful voice. During the Global Authors Summit, which I and my team organized, I sang in front of, I think, 400 people live. And, you know, while I was singing, the audience were, were crying and I didn't know why they were crying. <laughs> I didn't know why they were crying. And then later on, after the event, I asked them, so why were you crying? Because maybe they were crying out of pity for me because <laughs> I was singing. That was my first time to sing. So I asked them, why were you crying? And they said, because I felt every word. I was so moved by the song. I think what I'm trying to say that is it, all it takes is just one person to believe in you and one yes, person just to encourage you to take up whatever you want to do while everyone else can say, oh no, you know, you can't do it. You know, you're too old for this or you suck or you don't have a good voice. So when you met your singing coach, it's like, all you need is just one person to tell you, yes, you can do it. You have a beautiful voice. So I think that goes with us for building our identities is that we want to start building our own self-identity. Everyone around us can be saying things like, oh no, you can't do this. Why do you get into this? You know, there are so many people in this area, feel of area doing it, who are younger than you, more beautiful than you. And then this gives you self-doubt because these people are already self-limited by their own perception and they project it upon you. And when you go home, you're like struggling, like, can I really get into this new identity that I want to do it for myself? But there's all these noise and voices and doubts that people have fed you. And all you need is that one person next to you who can just tell you, hey, you know what? You got this. You can do it. I, be I believe in you as much as you believe in yourself. And this, I think, sets the right tone for us to continue doing what we felt like it's good for us to do as a new identity. Barbara, you have a story about this as well, right? Uh, so a, a, bit of a, a bit of background. Barbara is a world champion in strong women. And uh, you also have that one person, that one mentor, that one person who believed in you and uh, encouraged you to do it. Maybe you want to share your story as well? You know, when I first started weightlifting, it was just to get back into health and strength because I gave birth to twins. So I was thinking at 36, I gave birth to twins. 
So I'm like, wow, in 10 years, when they're 10 years old, I'm 46. I need to be running after them and doing activities with them. So that's why I got into weightlifting and training to be strong. And when I met my coach, he was saying, you know, I'm going to host this strongman competition. Do you want to take part? I was like, I I didn't really want to compete. It wasn't my, you know, it wasn't my goal to compete or win or anything. It was just my goal to be strong and healthy. But being in competition helps me set a goal to attain. Like, oh, I have to be, I have to lift this amount of weight by this given amount of time. In one year, I will be doing three digit lifts. So I think that pushed me along. And I wanted to challenge myself to how much I can push myself to and what I am capable of doing or anybody is capable of doing as long as they have that drive and that passion and the discipline and determination to do it. So I think that's important. When I started putting on muscles, a lot of people around me like, oh, why, why are you so muscular? You know, you look like a man. My mom was like going, why, why do you have to become like this? You were like a pretty, thin, fragile, you know, petite girl. Why do you have to put on so much muscles and look like a man or be so muscular? And all these voices, you know, really hurt me as well. But it's my body, you know, I'm, I'm strong. I, I don't owe anybody any explanation for what I want to accomplish and do. And so, that's was, important. So in your journey, what were some of the main challenges you you have to overcome trying to balance having time with my family my work and preparing for competition that's that's i think the most challenging part it's never easy to find a balance because you have priorities and it's it's not easy if you i can't go out eat my fam with my family or go on a holiday with my family if i'm Preparing for competition. Wow, yeah. wow. How, how have your identity shifted after got crowned a world champion in strong women as opposed to before? Did your identity shift after it or the identity shift during it? I, I never really identified myself as a world champion or strong woman. I just, I, I know I'm strong, but the reason for doing it is to prove to myself that I can achieve what I want to achieve if I put my mind and body and spirit and soul into it. I think that carries over to everything else I do in life, not only in the body, pushing myself to be a strong woman. As, as a mother, I want to be a good mother. I want to be there for them. I'm determined to spend time with my children or with my new career as a financial advisor. I, I need to learn this. I need to get things going. I need to do this. There are things, little, little things add up to big things. So I think that that really pushes it into other facets of my life. Wow, what I'm hearing for both you and Charles so far, right, is this idea of uh, once you have a big enough why, you'll find a how. Like uh, Charles said it so nicely in terms of finding a formula. So you find a formula that works for you. And I think that's, that's so powerful. I think a lot of people say, oh, but I don't know how, you know. I think the how will come once you have a strong enough desire to actually transform your identity and transform your story, your inner narrative. I think I always tell people in my storytelling workshops, I think your the most important audience of your story is actually not your audience, it's yourself. And uh, sometimes we, we tell ourselves limiting stories that we end up getting married to that story. We become, we become that story. Um, so I always reframe it by asking them, say, one day your life, bef before you you say goodbye to this world, your life will flash right before your very eyes. If it's a movie, is it worth watching? And then people start going, wow, yeah. How do I stop 
the old narrative and change the new narrative and write a new fresh chapter of my story, my life story, so that one day when I look back, it really is a movie worth watching. So I think that's that, that both of you have got a very strong why. I think Shah is about service mindset, about doing it for people. It's about a calling. And uh, for herself, like she always wanted to sing as well. So she's really pursuing that dream. And for you, Barbara, you always wanted to be strong and you wanted to to keep fit and have a good health, especially after giving birth to twins at 36, right? I think that's yes. very con- counter to most narrative. Most people is kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I used to do it when I was younger and once I became a mom. But you became strong woman after you became a mom of twins. Like That's quite remarkable. What about you, Adeline? Yeah, yeah. Barbara, you want to share some more? I want to ask, what makes Adeline want to keep changing and not being comfortable and settling in? Yeah. do what she does yeah, so what drives for, you okay so for me I never really thought about identity that seriously um, I'm just focusing on you know building a good career I, I'm always very very ambitious in my career so I, I had a fairly good career um, you know moving from industry to industry and then it was in 2017 I decided to quit the job and that was a f- scary thought because I've always built my identity around companies brand names right I had benefit of working with big brand names. So it was very comfortable working with HSBC, Stanchart, UOB. So good brand. So my identity becomes my 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 job. But the obviously the identity that I really enjoy was being a parent. That was really something that I, I truly value, right? But then when I decided to quit my job without a job, that was really an eye-opener. Never done that before. It was scary. But I decided I, I wanted to, to take a break because I've been working for so many years. So that was pivotal because I began to realize that despite what I have achieved and whatever identity I have, I felt that I'm a frog in a well. So when I say a frog in a well, meaning I realized that there's so many things I do not know. I decided to get myself certified as a coach, not to become a coach, but more as my leadership development because I know that when I come back from my career break, I will still go back to work. I, I never doubted it, right? So then the power of network shows up. I started to refer to a, co- a company to coach people. And I was coaching people who are professionals in their 40s to 50s who were displaced either back to work parents or or retrenched from work, right? And I saw that these people grapple with identity. All they had was they associate identity with their jobs. And that, that actually was a humbling experience for me. Right? And I told myself that I would not never associate my job title with myself anymore. And then, of course, I coached more than 250 clients. I decided to go back to work. And this time, when I go back to work, I was already, my mindset already shifted. I was very focused on being aware of who I am, what I can contribute to the business rather than my job title. And obviously, when COVID hit, right, COVID hit also, COVID also gave me a different perspective. It's like, how much is enough? Who am I? Right, so I decided to publish a book, a book Open Doors. For me, I decided, hey, why not I, I do something different? And actually, when I write the book, I was actually creating my new identity without realizing it because my book is about reInvent 4.0. 4.0 stands for Industrial Revolution 4.0. It's about the future of work. It's not about reinventing to some pivot. I mean, I, I originally, I was thinking, okay, maybe I should write a book on pivot. But actually, oh. it's an acronym. R stands for Restaking Mindset. We now need to take risk, right? We need to understand what's opportunity trade-off when we take a risk. Making a career switch, for example, or taking a risk to get out of the comfort zone. E stands for entrepreneurial thinking. Why we need to think like an entrepreneur and not a job seeker. And I is inclusiveness because we are in a multi-generational workforce now. N is noticeable, which is personal branding. 
this vulnerability, which is being authentic, bring himself to work. And it, well, e is empathy and networking, and T is transdisciplinary learning, which is building skills from different domains. So when I wrote my book and I was I was preparing for the book launch, and and I was thinking, I, I need to tell my story, right? Not 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 my book about my book. So I begin to map back. I realized that I have been reinventing myself over the last 20 years. 1.0 was when I was a traditional marketer, 2.0 when I was a career coach, 3.0 when I was actually working for a fintech in a different world out there. And then 4.0, just nicely, I became an author. And, and I decided, okay, maybe I won't go back to corporate job anymore. I was still, I kind of put it at the back of my head and tried out this something new, right? And then I, and then last year, I began to realize that, oh, I'm actually in the red ocean. I'm a coach, but there are so many people who are coaches out there. So how do I differentiate myself? How do I create my identity that's unique? So being a marketer, right, I have to then differentiate, look at what, what's my blue ocean but coaching is nothing nothing innovative nothing disruptive so so i cannot create a blue ocean so what i do i create a purple ocean a purple ocean is a blend of tradition as well as innovation right so i'm not building coach a coaching practice i'm actually building a collective which is why in my organization i talk about actually my company name is saw collective s-o-a-r helping people to soar, to, to their, uncover their hidden potential and soar. And collective, because I want to build a team of coaches and mentors who are change makers, aspiring to impact the world. And, and yeah, so I've created a new identity, you know, as I evolved, right? As I talk, as I think about, okay, how do I differentiate myself? How, and identity starts with really what you stand for, what is your conviction that creates your identity. As you face the challenges of living up to your own and others' expectations, you may sometimes feel lost and lonely. However, know that you're not alone. We are here to support you in leaning courageously into your heart's promptings. If you'd like more tips, resources, and to learn more about how you can live more wholeheartedly, or to book me as a speaker, trainer, or coach, please go to coentan.com. That's C-O-E-N-T-A-N dot com. What about, Adeline, do you have any questions for Barbara? Like, you know, like this whole... Yeah, I was very curious to find out from her, right? Why, why did she move from bodybuilding to financial? How did she stumble upon that? Oh, I've always been interested in, in finance, economy, and... I have a degree and a diploma. So how I it should be the question I think it should be how I stumbled into bodybuilding instead of doing finance. Oh, okay. Because when I started competing, a lot of people came to me and they started asking me to teach them like how to train in the gym. A lot of most of them are women, 80% are women. So they have a fear of going to the gym and taking space there because they feel intimidated by the weight, by the men. For me, I've never I have not I don't feel intimidated because I've always had my husband with me. So he's like my pillar of strength. So every time I go to the gym in, in a free weight corner when there's working men, I'll just go in and pick up the weights and just train without feeling that I should not be there because I'm a woman or I don't know what I'm doing or the stairs given you know, by them. So women need that. A lot of women I find need that reassurance and the confidence building that they deserve to take up space wherever they want to. It became a full-blown job 
after a few years, and I found myself not comfortable already where I am mm. because I felt that I could, I could do more things. I could do more things in my life than just being in the gym and training people. I felt that that I've only been limited to the number and scope of people I can train and interact with in the gym. When I can have a far more outreach to the, mm. the world, when I chance upon financial advice, it was actually one of my clients in the gym that spoke to me about it. She said, why don't you join my team? Because, you know, you're so inspiring. You, you, you are so determined. You, you, you are honest. You do great work. And you're just, why don't you join my team? So that's when I started thinking about, you know, stepping away from my comfort area and being only in the gym mm. and exploring what else I can do with my mind, you know, because it's a challenge as well. We just have to study everything, to acquire new soft skills and to be in front of the computer or iPad for hours. So that's why I decided to shift away and I find that, well, I'm doing, as long as I put my mind into it, I know I can do well in what I do. For most of us, our identity would be very associated with work, right? The work we do. We find meaning in our work. And I think a reinvent identity is really to take a step back and to know who you are um, and really create identity that, that is really uniquely yours, right? What you stand for. And that goes back to then the next step. How do you be your personal brand? So here I am now doing something different and and building my own identity. I love it. I love I love Purple Ocean. I've never heard that before. I think that is also a, an whole identity altogether, like combining Blue Ocean and, and Red Ocean. Sometimes we can romanticize the idea of looking for Blue Ocean and then some people can spend 10 years looking for the Blue Ocean and never find it and decided that. And they actually, um, they are, they are their dreams, you know, figure out in their own looking for the Blue Ocean. But yeah. you decide to create your own. That's... That's amazing. That's amazing. So what gave you that courage or what gave you that confidence to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to create my own purple ocean. Well, I think because I I want to differentiate myself because of my, I, I would say my corporate, that's where I put on my corporate hat, right? I think I never really left my role. Marketing and brand is very much my DNA. So I'm always constantly thinking of my, hey, how do I differentiate myself? And it so happens that my book is purple. My book cover is purple. My website is going to be shades of purple. I say, okay, purple ocean. And I, and I Google, actually, there is such a term as purple ocean. Okay, great. I'm going to own purple. And I have, I have a dress in purple and my, my main shot is in purple. Okay, everything seems to be serendipity, right? Everything seems to be uh, connected and turns out well. Fantastic. I love purple. Purple is my favorite color too. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I love it. It reminds me of Gordon's book, Purple Cow, right? It's like, yes. it stands out. Yes, I got and, uh, it. There as well. Fantastic. What I'm hearing is um this is very interesting. This is a bit counterintuitive, right? What I'm hearing from all three of you, as I can summarize what I've just shared uh, heard so far, is that there's a part of you that's about creating an identity. But sometimes we can romanticize creating a new identity. What about evolving an identity? What about the identity just evolved out of who you are? Because I heard from you, Adder, you say that branding and marketing is in your DNA, and that's an identity. So you're not trying to say, hey, no, I'm, I'm going to leave marketing and branding aside. I'm just going to do something totally different, like say, you know, let me say, maybe say like a Bitcoin or I want to be something like totally different. So sometimes we just need to evolve our previous identity and then marry, you know, like Shah's, Shah's uh, case, 
she married her identity for being a shy and introvert with her love for mathematics. Because if you're shy and introvert, you know that you're going to lose out on the energy formula. So you need to find a new formula to help you to, to make things work. Right, so I, I like that. So it's like a combination of two things, right? Very simply, something like chocolate, peanut butter combined together, Reese's chocolate, butter, peanut butter cups, right? So I like that combination of, of, of both. So sometimes, um, and also I'm hearing for me, Adeline, that identity is something that evolves. You're, you're, you're actually crafting it as you're writing your book. Yes. And I think identity is about layering, right? Our experiences shape our identity. Uh, I evolved from my own experience. And I can actually take a step back and say, okay, maybe I can explore something else, you know, besides just working in the corporate world. So I think it's important to be also practical. People out there, especially I worried the Gen Z, we all talk about purpose, right? It's important, but you don't step out in life having a purpose. Nobody step out in life knowing a purpose or building an identity. We can never shake off our experiences. That's what makes us unique. It's about what narrative do you want to share? to develop out of the identity, that experience that you have that's unique to you. So so like when I first, when I, I decided, okay, I want to start my own business, I actually th- say, okay, I'm going to reinvent myself totally, doing something different. But I begin to realize that actually I never really left my corporate job. I'm still, the way I see, the way I look at my coaching business is not really a coach. I look at my corporate job, I build partnerships, I build collaboration, right? I develop, well, brand manifestos and all that so when i do what i'm doing now i actually put marketing and branding up front and i actually seek out people to collaborate i do not see myself as operating solo right and and realize that i never really left my own identity and create new identities about layering it with new experiences laying it with new, new learnings and and convictions as we evolved and therefore as we grow older our identity becomes richer more enriching. I love it. Barbara, you want to say something? Oh, yeah, listening to Adeline just minds, reminded me of the fact that I, I'm still in the gym. I still have clients. Co- I still coach people in the gym because I can't shake that off as well. It's it's already for my forte, my professional forte and skill that I already have accumulated all these years. I'm not going to just give it up just because I'm embarking in a new career. So what Adeline say, I, I really agree because that that I'm trying to marry these two together in terms of health and wealth. And I think that that is my own formula that I'm coming up with to, to make both this work together. So thank you, Adeline. Sure. Yeah. Sure, what about you? Um, I agree with Adeline that, you know, our experience has shaped our identity, our identities as well. And sometimes, you know, the way we see ourselves evolve based from our experiences and you know personally Cohen I'm, I'm very impressed by Barbara and Adeline because they're they're moms and they're very they're thriving in their careers so I'm particularly interested about how does their day look like like what time do they wake up and then how much time do they spend you know taking care of the family taking care of the home and then what time goes to to uh, in their career and then what time do they sleep so those are the things that are uh, running in my mind right now while listening to them because that is something that, that I also want to achieve balance I think Barbara or Adeline mentioned about balance because right now I'm single I, I live by myself and I take care of myself and I feel like there's so there's so there are so many things I want to do and there's so little time but when I get married I also want to prioritize my family first over career and so 
I'm just curious, Barbara and Adeline, how does your day typically look like? Like, no, oh, I'll let Barbara go first. I try to get about seven hours of sleep a day. I think that's very important. Sleep is important for functioning, well-being, well-being, and of of course to be alert and energized the next day. So I typically go to bed about before twelve, about twelve, and I wake up about six thirty, seven a.m. And then I will do my housework because I don't have a helper. I'll do housework, eat breakfast, and my husband will send the kids to school. So that's his job. Then I'll just um, train. I'll train the garden. I'll train the gym just to get my workout and training done in the day. If I don't train, I'll just go for a walk, cardio, run. Then I'll come back, have lunch, check emails during, in between. And if I train my garden, I, I will hang laundry in between my sets of working <laughs> out. I think it's just about being efficient and making use of the time. That's all. Yeah. I don't cook, so my husband does it. And the rest of the day is just working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I don't really demarcate time, but it's more focused, right? So it's been like so so long ago. My, my son is big now. But when my the first few years, I had to really... I'll be very intentional about how I, I spend uh, craft out time one-on-one with him. And I, I used to, I mean, career was still my main part of my, my focus, right? But I always make sure that like five days a week, if I get invited for events, I tell myself I have a quota. I only go out twice a week. The other three times I will stay at home with my son, with my family. So I have to decide, okay, may, maybe there are some rare occasion I may go to three or maybe four, but those are rare. But as a quota, I set myself too. But I think it's a mindset shift, right? Because when I became a parent, I I decided, okay, I'm going to be the best role. I want to be the role model for him. And I always tell people that my son's the most powerful person because when I became a mother, my my colleagues used to tell me, you become, how come you're a very changed person? You you are now a better manager because I I lock off at six o'clock. In the past, I had meetings at five o'clock and my staff used to complain, why do you have meetings at five o'clock and we end at 6.30, right? Because I was still single. So, so I think that helped shift my focus. And, and even my son, much later when he was younger, I was changing job, right? And I actually had this conversation with him. I said, okay, in the next few months, I'm going to be working late because it's a new job. I will have less time with you at night. I will expect. And I asked him for permission. I said, is that okay with him? And I was very surprised. He was only six years old. And he told me this, mom, what is more important is you're happy with what you do. Wow, I said, oh, okay, I was oh. Then I waited for him to ask for favors. It never came, right? And I begin to realize is how I model. When he was young, I used to go to work. And he, like two or three years old, right? When he was two or three, he used to ask me, Mommy, why do you go to work? And I always tell him, I go to work because I enjoy my work, not because of money. But obviously, it's not true. It's true that I enjoy my work, but it's also not true. It's true that I work for money. But I, I actually don't emphasize money. I told him, I, I, I go to work because I love to work. So that ingrained in him, right? And over time, happiness is important. So, so that goes to say that actually being a parent or being a mentor, right? It actually like it, it, it plays a very important part because they role model you. So now in whatever I do, I try to be a role model to my mentees, how I show up to people around me is important. Wow. So basically being a being a parent actually also help you to step into a, a greater identity, right? So like Finding your finding your greater why, like Barbara, your 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 kids are both also doing training, right? Are they also? Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell us more. Oh, my son is in basketball now, and my girl is in football for CCA. But when 
they were six years old. They saw me training in the garden with my coach and my husband. And they were very curious because they're like, hey, what's mommy doing and daddy doing in the garden, lifting weights? So they wanted to get into it. They asked my coach to whether they could compete or not for deadlift. And my coach said, sure, why not? You know, start training once a week, weekend in the garden. And when, and they started training every week and they competed. They they got good placing. My son, my girl got first, my son got second. And I think they carried this kind of discipline and training and being consistent into their homework, into their school life, into their friends, CCA. It's a very good starting ground for young children to be learning about discipline and consistency. I didn't want to be stuck being just a mother. And I wanted to be an example for my children. That if they put their mind and soul and focus into something, into something they want, they should just work for it and the success will come up. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Identity is so powerful, right? It's like identity, it, it, it also rubs off on people around you. And, uh, you know, people don't do as you say, they do as they see. Mm-hmm. what you do so i think identity is well so powerful I, I i'm really getting a lot of value and taking a lot of notes myself also just listening to to all of you i want to dive back to something about um that barbara shared earlier on about how people put you down or how people limit you because it's a projection of their own limited identity i'm sure in a vacuum all of us can have very empowering identity and then we can just go out there and crush our goals but it's not like this all the time Right. Um, some people maybe have friends that have they are surrounded by people that have a more limited identity. And obviously, how then do they then decide that, hey, no, I'm just gonna I'm not gonna care about what you guys say, I'm just gonna do my own thing. Because in some in some in some places, in some families, this is not, not possible because they are so entrenched in their family. They are afraid of disappointing their parents or they are afraid of that they will actually cause conflict. The same thing too with friends, right? So if you are with a group of friends that are not exactly very empowering, you know, the the, the thought of saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to find more empowering friends. Bye. It's, <laughs> it's very scary for most people, right? You're, you're your friends for so many years. You can't just say, no, bye, see you later. So how, how then do we surround ourselves with that? Okay, I know this is a very long question. But uh, how do we surround ourselves with the right people? Secondly, is uh, how do you actually overcome all this limiting noise from people around you? Maybe I'll come to you first, Barbara, since you brought it up. It's a good question because a lot of, I, I've also had friends stop contacting me because I'm into bodybuilding and strength training and they, they, they don't really, they don't like the way I look now compared to the way they knew before I got into it, how I looked before I got into it because of their own belief that Oh, you shouldn't look like that. You shouldn't be like that. Or, or you, all you talk about is strength training and and you know health. And I I don't want to talk. You know, I'm not like this. You weren't like this when I met you. So you have changed. So for me, I think it's it's okay to lose people along the way as you grow your new identity, because they that your frequency and their frequency and energies do not meet anymore. It's not the same as before. So as you evolve into a higher frequency and energy people that are of the same frequency energy will be attracted to you. So you will attract people of like-mindedness. That's that's what I believe. But it's going to hurt, right? It's going to hurt when you, I mean, since people are your friends and to, 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 to say goodbye to them or to the, just drift apart from them, it's kind of, it's going to hurt, right? I mean, how do you, how do you overcome that hurt? I wouldn't say it's got to, it hurts, but you have to realize that they might, they might even drag you down and not, you know, encourage you. 
and you cannot grow into your new identity and become who you truly are if these people are dragging you down, putting you down, right? So it's better not to be surrounded by people like that. So that part is a takeaway that you you move on. Life goes on. It's your life. So be in charge of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, I believe in building different networks, right? Because maybe because of my work, and I think also like when I was working in the corporate world, my, the people I hang around with are always very corporate. Then when I left and I was ha- hanging a lot of with coaches, trainers, and I think it's good to have different network, but I try not to be too entrenched in one particular network because then I will over time become like, you know, like them, group thing, right? Then I, I let, then I, I became less creative. So I constantly make sure that I am not the smartest person in the room. If I am, I will make sure, I will try my best to help the others and as a coach, because I'm also a coach, right? If I happen to be, I don't believe that there's anybody who's the smartest because we're all diverse. We're all unique. So I think it's about harnessing the diversity and where, if I'm in a, in a, a group, I will try to help whoever that needs the help where I can support them. And obviously there will be areas that I might have, like, have blind spots that people can help me with. So that's about talking about surrounding with people, like people with the right mindset. As long as they are very willing to learn, they have a very open mindset. I think that's, that's a good community to be in. One, one thing that really helped for me is self-love. So Going back to my identity before we're in, I was really service-oriented. So I, I did everything in order, in order to serve other people. My mindset then was serve first. And then the way I lived my life before was I would always put other people first and myself last. And then I would get hurt because sometimes I would. it's so natural for me to do things and make sacrifices for, for the people I love. But, but I, would, I, w- I would feel like they let me down. Um, but then something shifted in January 2019 when I learned about self-love. When I learned about self-love, I thought first that self-love was selfish, but when I learned it, I realized it's not selfish at all. It is necessary. And it was not my friends who were letting me down. It was not my family who were letting me down. It was actually me who was letting me down by putting other people first, by saying no to myself, denying myself. So this is a very deep topic. And deeper into self-love i studied the psychology behind it i I read some research etc and i applied it in myself and when i learned to love myself i asked myself how do i really love myself so part of loving myself is to celebrate my own strengths and to know my weaknesses like i don't deny my weaknesses to myself to face my weaknesses and embrace my weaknesses and even the past mistakes i did in the past to make to make peace with the past mistakes and to embrace everything that I am, the good parts, the not so good parts, the painful parts. So I've learned how to do that. So I have learned to create a space for myself to be myself, create a psychological safe space for myself to cry when I needed to cry, to to be angry when I needed to be angry because I used to be this, this good girl and the good girl's image is you should be nice all the time, you should be kind all the time, always be giving to other people um, and things like that. But when I learned how to really love myself, I learned to let myself be. If, if for example, I'm driving and then some, someone cuts me and then I would feel angry. So before I would, I would, I would be so hard on myself and then I'm like, why did you get angry, Sha? Come on, you're a child of God. You, you need to be this and that. Nowadays, 
when I when someone cuts me, like for example, I, I a few days ago I drove to a church and then someone parked his car right in the driveway. And I said, oh, I'm so pissed off with this driver, but I forgive you, okay? So I, I allowed myself to let that steam come out to, 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 to be angry, express my emotions. But at the same time, you know, I wouldn't wish anything bad to the driver. So what I'm saying is that when I learned how to really love myself, I became fearless. Fearless of what other people will say. Because I know that at the end of the day, I will always choose to love and accept myself, even if I failed that day, even if I made mistakes. And because of that as well, when someone is lashing out on me, I didn't choose to get offended from that behavior. It's not about me. It's not a reflection of me. So I didn't have to react to that. Um, this is also the reason why I'm so fearless when it comes to launching projects, launching books, doing something. Because I know that, yes, other people will have their say I, I cannot please everyone. They will say whatever they want to say. And it's okay. I, I'm giving them space as well to do that. But and because I know at the end of the day, what really matters would be how I would see myself. The other thing is that I became comfortable in telling people that say if they if they treat me in in some way that is not is not acceptable to me, I became comfortable telling them you know what, I'm not comfortable with the way you talk to me. If you continue talking to me that way, I'll stop talking to you. I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable talking about this. So I won't be answering your questions related to this. Thank you for respecting me. And if they get angry, they can get angry. That's okay because that's their right. I cannot tell them don't get angry. But I can tell myself, okay, I can choose how I respond. So I can let people be. I'm also not afraid to let people go anymore. Before, this was a very difficult for me to do, like letting people go. But, but I realized that some people do come and go in your lives. You have a purpose, they have a purpose, and if the purpose is done, wish them well there. So I just learned to let myself be and let other people be. So from what so, I hear, also setting your boundaries. Yeah, setting boundaries. Yeah. Wow, so much learning here. Adeline, you want to say something? Yeah, I wanted to say that, yeah, I love, I love the part about to be fearless, right? When you are not afraid, you tend to then embrace your identity and you you, can, you love yourself more. I think that that's very, very true because especially when working for big organizations, I've been through that, where there's a lot of politics, hierarchy, and where organizations where they are they are ego will respond with the job titles and pay, they have a tendency to put people down because it's all about ego, right? So I think it's very important as an individual you you build boundaries and 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 you know love yourself first. Wow, I, I really I really love this this conversation. I mean that such profound answers and I just want to say Shah, so it's been some time since I last spoke to you and I'm like I, I can hear from your voice, I can see from your face. Um, I mean, listeners at home cannot see uh, the face right now, but you speak with so much conviction and so much fervorness that possibly comes from your recent experiences and how you have overcome them. I think I can I can definitely see a very evolved as well. I mean, that's what that's what that's why I'm keeping um, friends with people like you because you all constantly help me to grow and evolve as well, and we grow together. Uh, I'm very happy to call you all my friends because you also uplift me. So, okay, now I just want to, uh, maybe where we are kind of like going towards a wrap up. So I just want to ask some questions around like your your goals for 2024, like uh, maybe your, your, a new identity that you are, you, are, you are looking to kind of evolve into in 2024. So maybe I'll, I'll come to you first, Adeline, like what identity are you looking to evolve into in 2024? 
well, I'm going to create my own purple ocean. My company is all collective, Asia. So I am hoping to build a team of collective team of coaches and mentors to help, you know, create more impact. In fact, my target for this year, uh, what has mainly shifted was in the past, I was very focused on building businesses, building revenue. I'm still building a business now, but my focus is very different. I've set myself uh, KPI, Key Performance Indicators, which is um, 10,000 people to be impacted through either speaking engagement, either through coaching or, or you know, workshops. And I think having that big target and thinking of working as a team, right, actually made me shift my identity as well because it's so expansionary. Because I'm no, I'm no longer thinking of, well, with 10,000 people, I don't think I can do it myself. How can I enroll more people? How can I build a collective? I mean, that having that bold targets actually, you know, created more expansionary mindset for me. So that's what I'm hoping to achieve in 2024. I love it. I love it. Why you're just sharing uh, actually corresponds to a book I was recently reading called The Second Mountain by David Brooks. Spoiler alert, but I think we are at a stage of our life where we are building our second mountains. The first mountain is like the, uh, the first part of our life where we are trying to go for titles, looking for promotions, going for building our skills, building our networks, basically padding our resume. So David Brooks called this a resume virtue. But the second mountain, right, is, is now the second part of our life when we are thinking of, okay, now we have all these experiences, this wisdom, these networks. How can we use this to bring people together for a greater ecological good, right? So he calls this second mountain the building of our eulogy virtues, the, the things that people say to you at your funeral rather than just because your eulogy virtues are very different from your resume virtues, right? It's like people don't say, oh, you know, here lies a person who is excellent at Microsoft Excel, who is a great marketer. They don't say things like that, right? They, they tend to say things about how you have impacted your life. So I think Adeline, what you just shared really touches me a lot. About building skills and, and leveraging on that success to, to significance. So it's no longer living a, a, a successful or the best life anymore. It's about living a life of significance. Purpose. Love, love it. Love it. Love it. Purpose. Yes. Something bigger than ourselves. And if I may be so shameless, I'm happy to also uh, discuss being part of your collective. But that's me self-inviting myself. But you can always say no. <laughs> you can always have boundaries. Okay. I'm just I'm just I'm just putting my resume in the in the in the hat. Yeah. Shy, you may put yours too. Barbara, you may put yours too if you, if you are. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's build a collective to to impact lives. Um, putting my, myself forward. How about uh, Shah? Maybe you want to share your your identity for twenty twenty four. Yes. So uh, context in the in the past few years, we were so focused on B two C, really helping individuals thrive personally and professionally. So this twenty twenty four. I and my team are ready to go into B two B companies. I really want to ignite possibilities in organizations and leaders and. And we want to do that by creating an atmosphere wherein there is psychological safety, they feel seen, and they feel appreciated. So really, I'm very excited to ignite possibilities and fearlessness in terms of um, increased employee engagement, creativity, ability to innovate, and things like that. And also uh, making, making employees feel that they really, they really matter. I want them to feel that they really matter. I want them to feel excited to go to work again. Not just because going to work because it, it pays the bills, but really to get excited because they can see how their personal personal purpose is aligned to what they do at work. 
So I want to make people, I want to make every employee excited to go to work because they know that they have a great contribution to make in the, in the company and they're not just there to, you know, to, uh, to clock in and clock out. Wow. I love it. I love it. I can see it. I can see your vision very vividly and I'm very excited about that as well for you. And um, you. again, I'm going to throw my head in the, in the ring. Wow. I'm really, really lucky that the, the energy and the collaboration possibilities here. Yeah. What about you, Barbara? What's your identity for 2024? It's almost the same as 2023, although it's been more refined because 2023, I was still struggling a lot with who, who I am, what I'm doing and how I could synergize what I'm doing and balance it with my family life so I think 2024 I have a better idea of where I'm going to be and how I'm going to do it it's just a man a matter of time management working with the right people the right mindset because for me it's very personal it's very one-to-one I don't have a corporation or employees so it's it's me and my clients so I, I hope to have a better relationship with my clients and, and my family and friends and loved ones that's 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 all I wish for for now. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think at the end, the heart of all we do, right? It's not just basically your 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 strong body, right? It's a manifestation of of your love for yourself, your love for for what you do, your love for your craft, and um, at the end of the uh, at the end of the day, all these don't matter unless you have also the the love of the people that 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 are most important to us. And I can I can really see that, you know, Barbara, you are also a a, a picture of love. Well, I see a lot of love in, in, in everything that you do and may, may, that, may that love continue to spread and build that relationship that you, 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 you crave. Okay, one final question for every one of you is uh, what is one advice that you can give to our listeners to help them live the best 2024 possible? Yeah. Okay, I'll start. The best advice I can give would be to, to love yourself first so you can love and lead others better. Thanks, Sha. Welcome. Well, for me, it's uh, be authentic, encourages. Barbara? For me, it's to determine and never give up. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, ladies, for your time on this uh, wholehearted podcast, this special episode. You have given us so much valuable sharing and uh, the tips that you have given um, and your stories are truly inspirational. I'm sure that you also come from very different walks of life and our, our audience, our listeners, from different walks of life, whether they are self-employed, whether they are working, used to work in big corporations, or whether they are you know, on a journey of really reclaiming themselves and love for themselves. I think they all have a lot to take away from this. And um, once again, I just want to say thank you, every one of you, for your generous sharing. Thank you for My having pleasure. us. Thank you for having us, Cohen. And thank you, Barbara and Adeline, for this fu- such fun morning. Yeah, thank you for having us. Nice um, well, getting to know Sha and Barbara as well. Great. And I encourage you all to also connect with each other. And um, of course, if you like to connect with our guests, <laughs> I will put the links to their social media and their website on the show notes below. And um, to, to we meet again for the next episode, everybody stay wholehearted. And wish you a wholehearted 2024 ahead. Bye. 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 That's another thrilling episode of the Wholehearted Podcast. And in this episode, we really dive deep into the discussion around identity and how difficult it is to change identity. And I hope that you have benefited from listening to our three guests, Shah Nasino, Adeline Tia and Barbara Chung, and how they have been able to evolve their identity. I think the point that I really like to make is the idea of 
our identity is something that we craft consciously but also evolve over time. They are part of our past that goes into the formation of our identity. It's not a matter of completely removing the past and creating a completely new identity. Sometimes we put ourselves under too much pressure to do that. But instead, slowly but surely evolve your identity. I also like the idea of self-love. Be willing to say yes to yourself first. And that's going to be a very important antidote to the noise that's surrounding us, especially the environment that we are in and the people around us. They may not always have the most enlightening or inspiring identity. And therefore, they may also then project their own limitations onto us. And I hope that you have benefited tremendously from this episode of the podcast as much as I have benefited and learned from the guests during this episode. Once again, till the next time we see you, stay wholehearted. Thanks for being part of this heartwarming conversation today. If you have enjoyed the show as much as I have creating it for you, I really appreciate it if you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you won't miss a future episode. To the next episode, stay wholehearted.